Hey everybody, it feels like it's been a millennia, but it really hasn't. It's only been a week. It's January 31st newsletter for Digital Bytes on the Team Blockchain, where our podcast, we're going to cover, I got Johnny Fry and I, and we're going to cover some blockchain identity management, tokenization of assets. What's that? What's the fuss all about, Johnny? Hi, <laughs> uh, James. Good to be back on the air. And yeah, and we've also, we're going to touch on, everyone's been reading about it. Bitcoin ETF and what does it actually mean? Not, not so much in terms of the hype and the price and up and down of Bitcoin, but there's a few other things we think it could probably lead to. And then, then after the uh, break, we're delighted to actually got. We've had his colleague uh, Klaus on, on the line before, but this this week from DigiShares, we're, we're going to be looking at the the sort of tokenization of real estate, digitization of real estate with Gabriel Sadoun. He's based your side of the pond, so he's in the green room over in the usa so that's uh coming up after the break uh real estate tokenization but yeah i'm all james, about i'm all about the real estate i know you, you're a real estate mogul these days you, you and donald trump you know you're neck and neck almost when it comes to real estate that's right but, uh, but before we before we start all that just to give a recap so we do get sort of questions well what is it all about you know why do we do this we're coming up for our sixth anniversary of digital bytes in march so not for, not long away now and really we've been trying to put together a, a weekly analysis. It's, it's not really news. It's really trying to say, this has happened. What does it mean? What are the commercial opportunities and implications of blockchain technology and digital assets? And obviously, digital assets go from you know, good old crypto, which at the end of the day is only about a couple of trillion dollars, all the way through to the tokenization of equities, bonds, funds, commodities, cash, derivatives. And that lot equate to 2.2 quadrillion. So obviously, we spend a lot of time looking where the money is, the 2.2 quadrillion, as opposed to worrying too much about Bitcoin or cryptos per se. But obviously, we need to understand the technology that powers those cryptos in order to see how that can then be used commercially. But but James, one of the things we were looking at this week was blockchain and identity management. And this is obviously important because you want to make sure that only the right people get access to this. Effectively, it's like, it's like a database which is accessible 24-7. And we've seen a lot of people run into problems with sort of identity theft and with people hacking and and it's it's quite it's quite a challenge but potentially using blockchain you can now start seeing greater access for the 1.7 billion adults that don't have a bank account because you can start moving money around using digital assets without necessarily needing a bank so that changes things you know quite quite a lot one thing we're beginning to see more and more of are these things called decentralized identifiers did so you, you you're familiar with those james so i have two of them my problem is i knew you, I knew you would and you're such I, a techie you're such a geek right so and and this is probably cover here i am a digital resident of the country of palau i think it's pronounced palau, palau. p-a-l-a-u <laughs> it's out in oceana right okay so the difference between it's a really great setup. Vitalik set it up and uh, another famous billionaire guy. And the government approved it. So as an American, normally, I could go to Palau and, and stay there for a month and explore like a vacation. I am actually a resident of the country. I could go there wow. for six months. I could rent land. I could open a business. I can KYC with exchanges and the whole night. So... When I set that all up, I did pass a government background check, the typical AML, KYC stuff. 
They granted me the residency and I printed out, I have a physical ID card coming in the mail, but I printed out my DID for the country of Palau. And they gave me also a matching decentralized identifier that I minted out for the United States. So I have two of them. I don't know if the U.S. acknowledges the DID yet. Blimey, blimey. But you can't use that as your as your identification for if you get hauled over for speeding or your passport, you can't, you know, you can't use that for that, presumably. It's not, it's and, not and that's what I'm trying to learn. I don't know. So in Palau, that's my ID. But how do you get to Palau? I think it's like two flights and a boat. It's literally. Oh, sorry, I'm, being, I'm being sick. There is a place called Palau, is it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not, I think you have to fly. There's a restaurant over there that I'm already planning on checking out. It's got burgers. <laughs> there you go. So, so this, but we are going to see a lot more of Dids. We got a we got a guest coming up in a couple of weeks who wants to talk about some of the some of the challenges of identity identification and management of your identity online and how Dids can help. So, so that's sort of coming through. But but this kind of sort of leads me on to this whole topic, that James, of you know tokenization. You know what is the fuss about? You know who really cares? I was talking to someone earlier on from the accountancy and audit and consulting firm called EY, and and they were telling me that they've seen a lot of a lot of interest from the banks and and asset managers in 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 Europe and in the states. And a couple of years ago, it was all around regulation and infrastructure, and you know, is is it really a real thing? But but now, sort of conceptual white papers are now moving to sort of proof of concepts, and people are beginning to realise, well, actually. The technology can be used for a lot more than just sort of cryptos. And and I mentioned at the top of the show the size of the crypto market. It accounts for about 0.9%, about 1.8 trillion. But if you take something which most of us are very, very familiar with, you know, real estate. Real estate accounts for 18% and it's 380 trillion. And I know coming up after the break, we'll touch on the size of the property market, but even something fairly dull, like, you know, where you put your 401k in America or in the UK, you have, it's called pensions, regular savings, mutual funds, and they're $145 trillion. And, you know, we're beginning to see, you know, there's, but they're only seven, 6.9% of the total asset class. The, the big daddy is obviously the derivatives market. And that's, that's coming at a whopping, you know, 2.2 quadrillion. And that's nearly, you know, nearly 50% of all of the assets if you add up equities and bonds and commodities and funds and real estate, all the rest of them. So all of those other assets, they will need some form of payment. You know, most of those assets produce a dividend or a coupon or rent or interest, and they're going to need some sort of way that you pay for for, for those or, or receive income from those assets, but obviously to pay for those. So it's interesting when you look at people People such as McKinsey, so you know, very well known consulting company, and they're, they're talking about concepts like you know of tokenization and a digital twin, where you have the physical asset, and then alongside that you have a digital representation of that asset. So you can either you and I can physically meet up and we can exchange you know a picture for you know a I don't know for a, for your car or something like that. Uh, alternatively, you could actually sell me, transfer to me. I could pay for a digital equivalent of that asset. And, and I've got the economic rights of that. And McKinsey have written a sort of guide to, un- to how do you un- to understand the process of how to tokenize an asset. And, and they've, they've come up with some quite interesting 
sort of concepts and ideas. But what's interesting is that tokenization gets us much, much closer to something many regulators around the world actually want to do. And that's delivery versus payment. I, you deliver a, an asset, a service, and I pay for it. And it doesn't have this sort of 30, 60, 90 days credit, which is just absolutely killing, particularly smaller companies. You know, I've produced a service, you now pay for it on the spot. And, and this, this leads us onto that concept of atomic settlement, which comes from, you know, the, the, the Greek word atomos, you know, sig- signifying indivisibility. But it, it's really this ability for, for to do real-time settlement, typically using a phone and a, as a, a swipe of your finger, you sort of then go, and I've paid you for what you've given me. And, and, and tokenization of assets allows you to do it without having to go through the, the, the whole you know, chaotic situation of brokers, agents, dealers, clearing houses, you know, banks, all, all that other stuff. And as we become more digitized and more comfortable with this concept, many asset managers and, and banks and, you know, the biggest asset manager in the world, BlackRock, their CEO, Larry Fink, said, well, eventually we're going to see the whole industry completely revolutionized by, by tokenization. So that's kind of what the fuss is about, if that makes sense, James. Well, yeah, two things I wanted to cover real quick was the the atomic swapping, which has been around for a long time, but we don't talk about it. Yep. Why, here's an opinion piece, why did we ever bother with bridges? Because the bridges are slow, require liquidity, cost a lot, use both blockchains. The atomic swaps are instantaneous, right? We did this in 2013, 2017, and never took off. You were saying earlier, you know, what's the big deal with tokenization and all that? Would it be fair to say the past six years with everything from Doge to Shiba Inu and all these tokens, were we just proof of concepting the idea of creating an object as a marker? I'm not even going to use the word token, but when you created Shiba Inu and all the kids ran with it and they made all that money, but is that, was that the proof? that you could create a token that identifies a marker and it could be anything, your car. Like, are we moving away from, should we move away from the financial aspect of tokens and use them more for this? Well, it, it's funny you should say this. I was, I was talking to a guy in his 30s. So, and I would argue that a lot of the tokenization is more applicable, more understandable, more natural for perhaps people, you know, younger people, you know, people in their, 20s, 30s, 40s, and like old codgers like you and I, James, because they they they're just more naturally digitally innate. They've been brought up as children playing in a in a you know in a cot with a with a with a digital device. Typically, you walk around the streets and you see you know people in pushchairs, and very often the the child in a pushchair has actually got some sort of tablet or got nick the mum's phone and they're playing a game on it. It's just and it, it's almost an extension of their body. Therefore, this idea that I have to have something physical to pay for something, i.e. cash, is just is an anathema to them. They don't have wallets. It's all on their mobile device. And the focus has been very much on using it, you know, t- you know, totalization and crypto and, you know, as a form of payment. But I think that we're going to see a lot more of digital certificates that we've talked about many, many times. And that's going to be more, I just think it'll it'll actually appeal. It'll, it'll be more logical for younger more digitally native people so whether it's their spending habits travel habits you know driving habits healthcare records you know get ticketing to go to events i think the whole thing of just having it digitized 
And yeah, sure, you've got your investments and bits and pieces like that. But I think that the whole the overall life is just going to be more attuned to sharing things in a digitized format without going through different agents and brokers and and, and platforms and things like that. So you know, if you, you know, Facebook are now called Meta, if you load pictures onto Meta, then effectively you're giving them to them. It becomes their images. I don't know what it's like on TikTok or Instagram, things like that, but this the fangs, Facebook, Apple, Netflix, Google, et cetera, et cetera, they've basically they have monetized your data. And I think the new era that is coming forward is that you will have control of your data. It'll be in a format, a tokenized, a digitized format that you'll be able to monetize it. And it might be a, a fractions of pennies, but you know, if those fractions of pennies for those people that suddenly become the next, you know, Kim Kardashians this world will turn out to be very, 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 very valuable. But even the average you know, guy in the street, she or he is going to be able to make a reasonable amount of money of selling their various forms of data. And that's all because it's going to be tokenized. Believe me, I think my data is out there. I'm worth millions. I haven't gotten a dime <laughs> of it, but my data is all out there. Come find me. Okay, James, just before we got um, Digi shares after the break, just wanted to just stand back from all the, all the brouhaha around Bitcoin and, you know, people are saying, oh, the price is going down and isn't it terrible? Well, you know, an interesting report from Crypto.com and they showed that the number of crypto users last year rose by massive 34%. So we've got over a half a billion people around the world that own some form of crypto. And Bitcoin is still a big deal in crypto land because it accounts for nearly 50% of the entire capitalization of that sector. So if you want exposure to crypto, then the easy way now, especially if you live in America, is go and buy an ETF that is invested 100% into Bitcoin. And you obviously got people like Grayscale and Invesco and Vanek and Ark and Fidelity. But you've got the big one. The big one is, is well, BlackRock and Fidelity. They're pretty well-known names that are offering exposure to Bitcoin. And whilst, okay, you can talk about, you know, how much is going in and what's happening. Well, what's, what's interesting is that, a lot of these cryptocurrencies were set up as a way around Wall Street. So you could make transfers and payments without needing brokers and banks and people like that. And now those very well-established entities, the Investcos and BlackRocks and Fidelities, they're going to end up controlling a huge pile of Bitcoin. And I think in time, Ethereum and, and possibly, you know, some of the other bigger cryptocurrencies that turn into it are accessible through an ETF. And so this whole notion of decentralized and independent Suddenly, you're going to find, you know, companies controlling vast quantities of Bitcoin, but people are losing their fear because it's very easy and accessible. Yeah, I think I'll buy some. I've got no idea how to open a wallet. I don't want to do passwords and memorable strings of, you know, the fox jumps over the lazy dog or whatever it may well be. I just want to phone up a broker dealer, go online and buy something. And that's what I think is one of the big things that the ETFs are going to give. They're going to demystify and they're going to make accessible a lot of things that are going on in, in the sort of crypto land. And I think that will encourage some institutions to look a little bit closer to what's happening. Notwithstanding that, I also see then some of these other, other sort of cryptocurrencies then being used for all sorts of different products going back to the Dredges world. So they'll be putting capital protected products or they'll be working in some way to sell the volatility on, on Bitcoin and increasing the yield on them. So we're going to see more and more interest, I think, from the institutions. And as the institutions, you know, if the level of buying continues on Bitcoin in particular, then the volatility 
I think to, to a great extent will disappear because ETF holders tend to be buy and hold. Crypto holders, people are having a bit of a punt, make 10, 20%. Oh, thanks very much. I'm going to sell. So we could well see Bitcoin ETF lead to reduction in volatility, which would be, you know, quite, quite bizarre, really, in some ways. And don't forget, ETFs wind up in a lot, in America anyway, ETFs find themselves in a lot of pension plans and retirement funds, 401ks, we call them. There's yep. uh, not a lot of Bitcoin to go around. No. And that's why a lot of people argue that the short-term reduction price will then lead to a consistent, and we got Bitcoin halving coming up. But I'm, I'm, I'm less worried about the price of Bitcoin. Clearly, I don't want people to lose money, but... We're not here to give investment advice. It's it's more of a stand back and say, what does this mean the, that effectively the SEC are in effect endorsing, you know, the, the biggest cryptocurrency out there? And what does that then lead to for other cryptocurrencies? I, what's the impact that's going to have? And I think it's going to be much more institutional acceptance. I think we're going to see many more people offering custody services. And this is really important because what we're going to see is we're going to see more and more assets, as we were talking about, that will be tokenized. And a lot of the myths need to be broken down because you, you don't want to risk your, your money or you want to have a better understanding if you're going to buy a property or if you're going to put your pension into these digital assets. Because these digital assets, they're not just going to be crypto. And I think that's the main thing I want to get across. As I touched a moment ago, the tokenization of your house, the tokenization of your car, the tokenization of your data, the tokenization of the money in your wallet, all of this is very much coming and we're beginning to see more and more institutions embracing this and go from looking at the idea in principle, looking at the regs and saying, you know what, we've got companies like HSBC, FX Everywhere, and we speak about them a lot because that's run by, you know, one of the biggest banks here in, in or one of the bigger banks in the world, HSBC. And that's a, an FX blockchain powered foreign exchange, foreign exchange platform, done about eight, $8 trillion worth of transfers and now being used by Wells Fargo, because it's faster and cheaper than some of the other methods. So we've got the technology that powered crypto now seeping into all sorts of other parts of our lives. And I think the fact that we've got a Bitcoin ETF, it almost gives it a little bit of tick of authenticity. It's not a hairy, scary thing. You can buy it on Wall Street. Yeah, kind of, let's move on. You know, it's just another asset. And what we got to do is, don't forget, you have like, countries like india where china's banning bitcoin for the 13th time they're going to catch on right they all have yep. what do you have in in england you have a you're called pensioner yeah we have we have pension funds but at the moment you know the state of play is this as, as as we said in the article danny cox head of communications at hargreaves lands and hargreaves lands and a big broker dealer that's what how you'd think of them got millions of customers and as as they say yeah Basically, the, the, the regulator is still saying, you know, crypto is sort of a bit like the Wild West. So it's unlikely that um, we'll necessarily see ETFs in the UK. I have to be honest, I disagree. I think that we will see, and there's been numerous little examples and rumors of the London Stock Exchange going to start trading in digital assets. And I know we've discussed this a couple of times in the past, but the London Stock Exchange about four years ago issued CDOL codes. So CDOL code is a bit like a, a one of those sort of codes that you get on a book and you know you know every book has its own unique reference code we you have to have a cdl code in order to be able to go onto a stock exchange it's like the, the reference or a guide number and they issued 169 cdl codes with various different cryptocurrencies including bitcoin and including you know some of the other bigger cryptos so they did that a number of years ago and i i think that uh, 
you're going to see the London Stock Exchange, the Paris Bourse, you know, you know, a number of stock exchanges in Europe and eventually in America starting to trade these digital assets and then digital tokenized bonds, equities, commodities, real estate. They're all going to be traded on well-known recognized exchanges. And I think the ETF of Bitcoin is, has just been another little movement towards the acceptance of this as a technology as much as an asset class. So that's interesting that you've had the numbers assigned. So in the U.S., we, we go by QSIP. Do you see the QSIP number? QSIP, yeah. And, yeah. Uh, it's very similar. Very similar. Right. So as they were assigning the QSIP numbers to the Bitcoin ETFs like VanEck, and all the excitement and the FOMO and everybody's you know, shouting, but we were watching them assign the QSIPs in real time. You guys already have them assigned. Yeah. I mean, it sounds got, more well, promising to me. Yeah. But they assigned them not for the ETF. They've assigned them for the underlying crypto, which is, I thought was, they've never done anything with them. Don't, don't get me wrong. But, um, you know, look, Microsoft are projecting they're going to earn something like 10 billion a year. Oh, sorry, 10 billion over the next 10 years out of having bought a 4% stake in the London Stock Exchange. Microsoft, you know, are big into, you know, doing a lot of stuff behind the scenes. You know, bit, blockchain is a fantastic boost for Microsoft, Google, Amazon, because, you know, these, these blockchains use lots and lots of, of cloud. Lots and lots of cloud. So, and they, you know, them and Tencent, the four companies, have sixty-seven percent of the entire computer cloud market globally. So, they, they, if they can have an investment and be involved with the London Stock Exchange, the London Stock Exchange then starts trading assets. Well, that'll help the London Stock Exchange because at the end of the day, if you see tokenization of funds, and we've talked about this, you know, tokenization of money market funds is a nine trillion dollar asset class. Well, if you start tokenizing funds, and we've seen Franklin Templeton do it, and Monday in Italy, Aberdeen Standard here in London. But that nine trillion dollars of money market funds, if that half of it gets uh, tokenized, well, that's going to nearly threefold the size of the tokenized assets. Oh, it's three times bigger than crypto. And if you start seeing money market funds being traded 24-7 on recognized stock exchanges, they become a very, very strong competitor for what you call savings accounts and what we call deposit accounts over here. And so that impacts on the banks because the bank's going to have to start increasing interest rates to attract money because the banks need money to be able to make loans. And if it's all wrapped up in money market funds, which arguably are very, very safe, because you've got professional managers looking after the money. So I think the stock exchanges are looking and saying, well, if the, if the funds market, that, that's twice the size of the equity markets in terms of number of things quoted. Um, aye, there's more, more funds than there are equities quoted typically in Europe, America, and here, obviously here in the UK. It's a huge number of opportunities for these stock exchanges to to start making markets and trading and become much more relevant. Whereas at the moment, we've seen trading volumes in many of the stock markets be, you know, declining substantially. Well, we'll be more interested in the real estate market coming up real soon. So we'll focus there. Well, that's, yep, that's coming up. But, but James, if anyone wants any more information on these topics and the stuff that you and I quote, obviously the best way is contact yourself, James Tiley on LinkedIn or at cyber.fm or myself, Johnny Fry. You can find me on LinkedIn or if not, teamblockchain.net. I'm happy to send you a copy of the ongoing weekly analysis. It comes out every Wednesday, eight o'clock London time. And so by the time you wake up, it's normally sitting there in your inbox waiting as you get up a couple of hours later, James. We do that in uh, the New York Daily News guarantees it'll be there at 7 a.m. Excellent. All right. Well, look, coming up to the break, we've got the realization, uh, sorry, we've got the real estate tokenization and looking at the benefits and challenges. and. Gabriel Sadoon. And he's, I know he's going to 
they're, they're looking at getting some sort of property exchange, potentially a regulated property exchange in the USA, James. So it'd be great to see the US on the front foot as opposed to Europe, which has led the way recently with a lot of these innovations. But, but that's coming up after the break. Teamblockchain.net, right in front of you the minute it loads up. We don't care how you listen to this show. I'd love for you to listen on Cyber.fm, but let's be realistic. Anchor, Spotify, Apple, Google, Amazon, iHeart, CastBox, Stitcher, TuneIn, Pandora, and you could always say, Alexa, open up Digital Bytes Podcast. We put that right there in the very front, and right next to it, if you have no idea what we're talking about every week, stick your email address in there and actually get the newsletter. Hey, everybody. James Tiley and Johnny Fry, we're back. This is a good one. I'll tell you right now why it's a good one. We are going to be third. This is the third week in a row where I get to talk about my my real estate shares in the tokenization world. I know I'm going to bring it up. It's impossible to not because we brought Gabriel Sadoon from DigiShares over, wrote an article about real estate tokenization, the benefits and the challenges, and, and hopefully he's going to make me better at my position. <laughs> well, you turn into a bit of a real estate sort of online mogul, James, but less about you because it's not about you. This is all about so Gabriel Sedun and, and DigiShares. And, and first of all, welcome. It'd be great just if you give us a bit of background to yourself, Gabriel, on, you know, what do you do and how did you find yourself in this sort of digitized space? And then we'll get stuck into your article if that's OK. Thank you so much, Johnny and James. It's, it's a pleasure to be here. So I handle business development in the U.S. and the Americas for DigiShares. DigiShares is a tokenization platform, making it easy for companies, mostly real estate companies, to create shares on the blockchain, to onboard investors and manage them on the blockchain and to enable trading amongst investors. So the, the way I wound up in, in this sector is that, uh, so I, I studied economics and finance. I went the traditional path at first, working in investment banking for, for around three years in New York. And one point I, I just, I couldn't believe the lack of technology in, in private markets. We, I was working for a team that was helping private funds raise capital. Sometimes companies raise capital and the, there was very little technology involved. It was mainly emails and calls and traditional databases. And I, I just found the whole process to be quite uh, archaic, honestly. And, and when COVID hit, I had a lot of time to, to read and think. And, and that's where I really fell in the rabbit hole of blockchain technology, smart contracts. And I, I had an aha moment thinking to myself, all right, everything is going to get tokenized within the next decade or so. And I want to be a part of it. And so I was lucky to uh, get in touch with Klaus the CEO of DigiShares, who was looking for someone in the US and yeah, joined the company almost three years ago now. Well, so this is what I love about this industry. So you're based in the US. Um, yeah. You're like our cousins across the pond, like James is. But, but Klaus is based my side, of, my side in the civilized world, but he's based in <laughs> Denmark. Yes, that, that's correct. And you may not know this about me, but I'm actually half French. I grew up in, in France. So oh, I'm, I'm, I'm no, myself. We've got the frogs <laughs> on, James. Watch out. Oh, so I myself. <laughs> so I can take well, both sides of this of this argument. <laughs> they're not still calling them freedom fries in the states, are they? Because they they so cross them, they wouldn't call them French fries anymore. Yes, I remember that. Yeah. <laughs> well, sure. it's okay. I suppose what I'm intrigued about is that 
there has been a lot of talk about tokenization of real estate because you say that's really changed for for decades in terms of how how these assets are are traded and it's a big old asset class i think savile said it was over you know over 379 trillion dollars but what are some of the things that you know how does it really work how do you see it really developing to try and presumably make real estate a little bit more liquid yeah so maybe if we take a step back I think a, a big moment for the real estate industry was the the emerge uh, the emergence of real estate investment trusts, which were a, a huge first step to making real estate liquid. So these are large funds, let's call them, that that buy up a, a whole bunch of properties in maybe a, a certain geographical zone or that ha- have a certain strategy, and they're traded. Um, some some of them, not all of them, are traded on public exchanges. So you can buy them as easily as you buy stock in Apple or Google. But the problem is, is that it's it's quite cost prohibitive prohibitive to to tokenize single assets or smaller pools of assets because uh, you have to you know set up the the REIT, the real estate investment trust. You have to go public. There's a you know, huge p- compliance and audit and legal burden on that. So, which means that if you have your average uh, commercial real estate development and you you just and you want to tokenize that and and only that and and give investors the choice to to really pinpoint their their to target their investments, well, you you really it's it's cost prohibitive. And so, I think where where tokenization comes in is you're going to have uh, ex- exchanges that that aren't national exchanges, but like in the U.S., they're called alternative trading systems, so ATSs, and they are going to list tokenized shares in in single assets or smaller funds. And at some point, and we can discuss how that could happen, there will be a network effect that's going to play out. So there'll probably be a, a couple of winners, just like there are a couple of winners in the stock market game. And investors will turn to those platforms to to trade shares in in real estate. Um, and I think one way this could happen is if a very famous asset is is tokenized and traded on a platform that's easy to use. Another could be that a well, like, existing... well, like one of, one of Trump's ha- well, like one of Trump's houses, or <laughs> what tokenize the ri- White House. Yeah, well, I don't know if you could tokenize the White House because that's probably the owned by the federal government. But he could tokenize Trump Tower. I mean, that could be something. You probably have a lot of people interested in in buying that. Hey, James, you could do that. You live over there, James. Couldn't you have a word with Trump and tokenize one of his towers or all his towers? <laughs> yes. So I've it's enough uh, trouble with my million dollar lottery dream home. <laughs> that's true. That's true. Sorry, Gary, I, I got off No, no. But, but no, just, just going back to that, because it is, you know, yeah. joking apart, you know, REITs have been around since the 60s. According to S&P Global data, you know, the, these things tra- are trading typically on a discount. I think the medium discount from memory is nearly nearly 20%. So put that into sort of plain speak, you know, we all get together and we chip in $100 million worth of cash, go and buy a bunch of properties, and then we, we trade it. Within six months, it's assuming property price haven't gone up or down, it's probably worth $80 million. 
that doesn't seem to make a lot of sense. Whereas, and plus that, that's a portfolio of properties. Whereas yeah. what you're talking about is potentially tokenizing, digitizing, I offering fractional in ownership in individual buildings. Is, is that is that correct? Yeah. So there's more granularity with the tokenization. There's also, there are a few tax elements at play. So with a REIT, you have to distribute 90% of the proceeds to, to investors. So you don't have a complete freedom around how you structure things. And, and so, so yeah, there, there's, I, I believe quite a bit of opacity. Like if someone is investing in a REIT, it's hard to, to know exactly where the money is going and what the different properties look like. Uh, whereas I think investors could be very interested in, for example, if uh, they love uh, Trump, uh, they can invest in, <laughs> and if he tokenizes the Trump Tower, they can target that, that asset. So, so yeah, I think it makes sense. So what's holding, it, what's holding it back though? Because with respect, this isn't something new. People have been talking about this for a couple of years. Or, or do you think it just takes a couple of years for people to get comfortable with the idea? So I think more than people getting comfortable with the idea, I think something needs to happen in terms of offering a better product and better uh, exchange or ATS where these things are going to trade. I think right now there's a chicken and egg problem where you have issuers. So let's say develop, real estate developers or funds that don't see any of these exchanges really having any traction with many investors. And so they think, okay, I don't really want, I don't see why I would tokenize right now if there's not going to be really a lot of liquidity. And then the investors on the other side, they don't see a lot of exchanges with a token, you know, great tokenized assets on them. And so they think, you know, why would I sign up? And so there's stalemate and, and, and hope, and hopefully someone will come along and, 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 and provide a solution at, at DigiShares. What we're trying to do is um, create something called real estate.exchange, which aims to be the first blockchain-based exchange for shares in real estate. And we're doing that with a regulated partner, their broker-dealer ATS called Texture Capital. So this is a joint project that's going to start in the U.S. And yeah, hopefully later in the year, you'll be able to pick up your, your phone or your computer and, and go on realestate.exchange and, and start trading uh, at the shares and assets more, more easily. Got it. And once people have got an exchange, and presumably once they've, they've tried it, heavens forbid, they may get caught like you, James. You've become fascinated by this, haven't you? So... I love, it's funny because like you said, I was the high frequency trading algorithmic guy, right? I'm the computer geek and, and I'm going to send Gabriel my resume because I'm all about that. Let's trade. <laughs> Let's build the exchange. <laughs> yeah. Everything that he brought up, actually, even in terms of negativity, and I don't say negativity, but you know, the illiquidity that's going on right now, the lack of markets, um, there's no depth. That's all the reasons why I'm in it early. Right. I don't know anything about real estate. I mean, I own a house. So when I had gotten into it, I was like, I've looked. He's right. The the one market where I could trade my shares, you don't want to, believe me, you don't want to. But I'm hoping this is exactly what he's talking about. I'm hoping that one day, by the time it's all done, I'm gonna be like, Man, I got three of this in Miami. Let's go. I'm ready. <laughs> so that liquidity problem is gonna get solved and you took the words out of my mouth. Make the real estate exchange 
and they will you build it, they will come. Did we hear that term? Yeah, 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 yeah. So um, make it a yeah. Web three oriented. We bang out a little Chrome extension. The on the real estate tokenization side, and I don't know. Tell me if this is your experience. I've been telling people you're literally a landlord. Like the REIT has different requirements and you're a shareholder. And the one that I'm doing, it's like I'm one of 500 landlords and we all have to agree on replacing a stove. We get, we're fully involved. And then I could just flip my share. I could say, oh, you want to buy one of my shares? The liquidity is not there. But if I wanted to, I could send it to you as like an NFT. And is that where you guys are going to be going to like you're talking about alternative markets and, and I'm envisioning a centralized exchange in the same aspect as like a DEX, but we could be able to take our real estate shares that we got from person a and go sell them over by you as a secondary market. Yes. The, the issuer would have to simply sign up and go through a KYC or KYB, you know, your business procedure with, the broker dealer uh, that's just a regulatory requirement and then the shares the tokens can be listed uh, and uh, then the investors if they've already done kyc then they can be ported over but if they haven't you know they'll go through kyc and in order to be able to connect to real right. estate like exchange in, and then trading can happen in the united states anyway i think we have the the, the partnerships k6 form right or you get a 1099 you know, the K1s you for K1s for LLCs and things like that. Yeah, that's still necessary. Right. And that's why you have so to are, they, are these are these treated as securities then you're talking about in effect? Absolutely. So so I'd like to take a step back because James mentioned um, NFTs. And so th these indeed are securities. Sometimes when people talk about real estate tokenization, they think of the act of representing the title as an NFT. Now that has not been done yet so it would have to be the initiative of the local government to put the registry on chain but right now in most jurisdictions it's there's either like a public government database or it's paper in some jurisdictions so that hasn't happened yet but i'm sure it will happen because it'll make things a lot more efficient even for for the government um so so that that's one thing digishares is involved in is the the is the world of securities so the title is held by a legal entity that entity is set up in a friendly jurisdiction such as wyoming or delaware and then the shares of the entity are tokenized and then people can can trade those so the title in itself is not an nft and the shares cannot be nfts because they need to be fungible and you know tradable they can't you can't have a unique uh, share like a million unique shares within the same legal entity so that's that's one thought the other is uh, james you mentioned the uh, high frequency trading i don't know if you've uh, thought of this but re recently i went to a conference and this guy was talking about a very interesting uh, potential future where uh, you would have the terms and conditions and characteristics of of uh, the real estate assets directly on chain and then people will build these 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 trading machines and you know now with ai you could think it could be an agent an ai agent that goes out there and and scans everything as soon as something pops up 
boom, you can, you can, it can buy it automatically for you. So I don't know if you've, you've thought a bit about that, but it can really bring the world of uh, algorithmic trading into the private markets, I believe. Yeah, I mean, that's exactly what I did for a living, right? So smart order routing homes, right? The minute the home pops up for sale or rent or however, you know, there's so many aspects. Uh, you're saying to go grab it almost like a snipe or, or a dark pool. Share, like a share, yeah, if there are shares that are tokenized. Yeah, put the shares yeah. up in, in a closed exchange, some other exchange, right? And DigiShares, using smart routing technology, might see that pop up in a dark pool and grab it for the user. Is that what you were saying? So I, I don't think DigiShares would be the one to do it, but DigiShares would be... any, right. Yeah, well, maybe, who knows, we can develop products that help people do that, but, you know, aiming to do now is really be the the venue where uh, shares can be traded with real estate dot exchange and and then but, of course still be the but, creators but, of this yeah but Gabriel, does that mean that you the digits have to become a regulated digital exchange in so the us we're partnering with regulated ats so this is the right. type of exchange that's not a national exchange but where you can trade securities and and so yeah this is thanks to partnership with texture capital. Yeah, see, I get so okay, excited so, so, with the real estate aspect, but uh, definitely I, I'm all in on, on real estate tokenization. And I think there's so many different ways you guys are, you, you're in this industry as early as you could possibly be. Is this next year or is it sometime this year? Hopefully. No, it's going to be this year. We're hoping in the next couple months, the target is yeah end of this quarter. Um, you know, it may be if one or two months after that, but uh, yeah, we're we're targeting two months from now. Um, and, and Americans okay, so... can participate. Oh, I know you're going to love that, James. It's built for Americans. It's built well, for uh, Americans. Non non Americans could could also participate if they go through. James is through and through. If you cut him in half, you'll find the star and stripes in there. I'm sure. So the non Americans get everything. We don't get anything. <laughs> Come on, I told you. Once Uncle Sam gets going, the world better watch out because. He's going to dominate this sector, but uh, but there you go. Gabriel, thank you very much for coming on. You've obviously got James very excited and myself because it is a huge asset class. And, and you know, we off, James and I often talk about this. People, there's a lot of chat about crypto and people say, oh, yeah, what's happened to the price of this, that and the other. But at the end of the day, the crypto market is only one and a half trillion dollars in size. Where you've got the real estate market, as I said, nearly 380 million trillion dollars in size. So you really want to focus where the big money is rather than sort of, you know, the, the puddle, which is, which is, which is crypto, but we'll get you back. I'm sure a bit later this year when you uh, perhaps give us an update on the exchange and how it's going, but thank you for joining us. And if people want to get hold of you is, is LinkedIn the best place? Absolutely. Or email G S at digishares.io. Both, both work. Brilliant. And, and obviously it's digishares, which is D I G I shares. Yep. You can find them and Gabriel, Gabriel, it's Gabriel, and the surname is S A D O N. So S A D O U N. O U N. Sorry, S A D O U N. So, yeah. So we'll we'll look forward to hearing from you later in the year. And thank you for coming on the show. And thank you, James, and all the team for again this week. Thank you. It's been a pleasure.